You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Fantastic. I could hear that. Uh, thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming to church today. Um, I'd like us to appreciate Fumnaya for sharing our God experience. <clears throat> thank you so much. God bless you. And I pray that your testimony will be permanent in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jodip, for coming. We love you. We pray that God will continually grant you more grace in the name of Jesus. This is just the beginning. There is more to come in the name of Jesus. I know we had a very busy week. I think the person with the sound mic is uh, Iman Yufan. <laughs> Just learned from the Arsenal fan, they're used to it by now. <clears throat> I didn't plan that, so it just came in. Actually, what, you know, for me, I think, you know, during the week when I had, you know, somebody was putting something on his Instagram account or whatever it is and because he wanted to do birthday and uh, you know I think according to statistics it's now 250 million right yeah they say it's brought David and I tried to just wanted to do the calculation of all my annual salaries from the time I started working and I think I sent the Holy Spirit saying bro don't try it yeah and Apart from that, I think my, my week went well. Amen. So over the couple of weeks now, uh, we've been speaking about um, an important topic. And I think it's very important that we, 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 it was very important for us to go through this because of the seasons and the times with which we are. We, the world is just getting out of COVID and even the ripple or the true effect of COVID-19 starts to just want to start, you know, setting in. And it was important for us as children of God to understand, you know, God's perspective about providing for us and God's perspective about abundance. And that was why we started. My pastor, um, uh, two Sundays ago, spoke about the laws of abundance, um, the covenant of abundance, where we learned that abundance is for all grace, it's for all ages, it's for all stages. And last week we talked more about that. Um, on, she continued in the message to, to teach us what true wealth is. And this morning, we're going to be talking more about that, but we're going to be talking in the aspect of faith. And I'm very, very glad that when Pastor Dalaba was praying, one of the things she mentioned is about how to have faith for abundance. And, you know, um, one of the reasons why sometimes you don't get what you want to get is basically because of unbelief. And this morning, we're going to be talking more about that. Um, I will start today's um, um, teaching from the scriptures, Matthew chapter 10. Um, Matthew chapter 10 from verse 5 to 10. If you have it on the scriptures, okay, fantastic. You have it on the screen. So we're going to read together. Is that okay? All right, so let's go together. These 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Go into the way of the Gentiles. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any cities of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Seven. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses nor scrape for your journey, neither two coats, neither, two, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. So I like to please encourage me, as you know, I like to hear people's voice when you know, we read the scriptures. Is that okay? All right, let's go together. True faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age 
because she judged him faithful who had promised. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. You have been good to us. You have been kind to us. As a family, we say thank you. We worship you for everything. We thank you for our families. You have our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We thank you, Lord. Be exalted in the name of Jesus. As we go into your word, we ask that you open our eyes. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful. Let us experience the power of your word this morning in the name of Jesus. Speak through me as an oracle. Let us hear new instructions. Give us new revelations. Break down every mental, every, every imagination that is against the knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, so uh, I'll start with, you know, the, the four scriptures. And the scripture was talking about when Jesus, right, um, was sending out his disciples, um, 12 of them or thereabout, and was giving them an instruction of, it was, it was, giving, it was sending them on an assignment to a place, and it was instructive enough that Jesus was particular about what they should provide for and what they should not provide for. And many times when we look at that scriptures, we think it was just for pastors and ministers alone. And that's what God was, you know, uh, Jesus was talking about here. But if you look at it retrospectively, it was actually really, is a text that actually guides how God divinely provides for the people that he sent on an errand. And I know, and, and, and I know you know that once you get saved, there's an assignment that God gives to everyone. Is that correct? So every time we have people that comes into the light of the gospel, if there is nothing else that needs to be done, then probably God will have just said, okay, let's come to heaven. But that's not the case. So we are all God's servants. No, so this scripture is not just talking about um, the pastors or the ministers. Every child of God is sent of God to carry out an assignment and to establish the kingdom. Maybe, you know, for some of us, our pulpit is, our, our, our assignment is not on the pulpit. Is in the other sectors of the economy, maybe in the finance sectors, you know, maybe in the consulting, maybe even in politics, or even in the fashion industry. You're God's servant, and your objective is to, you know, establish God's kingdom wherever you are. And so, because of that, God always provides for the people He sent out. So um, here. Jesus was telling them, provide not gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts. Don't make provisions for that. And I'd like, quickly, quickly like to say that as far as Jesus is concerned, every man, every woman who is living in accordance to God's will, doing that what God wants them to do, God has made a provision and they're entitled to the provisions of God for their life and also for the assignment with which God has given them to do. So, and all through scriptures, you will say that in every, circum in every case, God always provides for people that is sent on an errand. The case study is Adam. Before God created Adam, God has already made provisions for him. The herbs of the trees, you know, um, the fish of the sea, the, you know, I was, I was, when I was reading that place, I was just like, okay, so is he supposed to be eating all of this, right? You know, God was so magnanimous enough that he provides so many variety for the man to come and enjoy. And so we, we, we're very intentional today to let you know that the matter about what you will drink, what you will eat, what you will put on, as far as God is concerned, it is not your problem. It is not your hustle. You were not designed to, um, how do I put it? You're not designed to start thinking about how you are going to survive. Because in the original plan of God, God has made a deliberate plan, a conscious plan. So before you were born, God has made a conscious, a deliberate plan to make sure that all you need for life is provided for you. Amen. The scripture says, you know, that um, everything you need has been provided, I'm paraphrasing, through the knowledge of him that I've called you to glory and virtue. And virtue, amen? So God has a clear desire and plan for the material, the physical and spiritual prosperities for all his children. So here Jesus is saying, provide neither gold, 
nor silver, nor copper in your money belt, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics. And I said, okay, if it's two tunics, that means, of course, when they're going out, they have one they're putting on. So God is saying, Jesus says, he's saying, don't make provisions for that. And the reason, the reason is basically because here it's saying, for a worker is worthy of his food. Amen. So how your needs will be met is not your problem. How your need is, will be met is never your problem. And I know um, in, 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 in the current you know, environment we have, it's, it's not like that, right? We are in the environment where it is get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, as PG will say. Every man for himself, God for us all. I think that's the mentality. And if you're a Lagosian, um, that's basically what, you know, every single day, what we think about is how to survive. And it's, it's, it is not supposed to be so, because that's not how God had planned it. What God wants you to focus on is the assignment he has given you. And that's why he said the worker is worthy of his meat. And you know, when I'm talking about worker, I'm not talking about all workers. Of course, if you're, you know, some people say they do high tea, but we know what they are doing. Right. You are not a worker. Amen. Amen. So if what you do is causing harm to your neighbor, you are not a worker. That's irrespective of how hard you're working. You're only a worker when you're doing things according to the will of God. Praise God. Praise God. So you must understand that God has a divine plan for providing for every work that is he initiates. Provide not gold. Don't make provisions for it. Don't, don't allocate your resources. And when I mean your resources, don't allocate your finite time. That's what he's saying. Don't allocate your finite time. Don't allocate your mental energy on yourself alone. There are better things to use that for. There are better things to use that for. Abraham trusted God to that point where he... He, the scripture says, you know, I think it's in um, Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 14. Um, Abraham, just to paraphrase, Abraham had gone out. Um, uh, he heard that Lot, you know, Lot, um, his nephew, has been captured. So he went out with his 300 um, servants that can fight the battles and went to go and win the war, right? And, you know, let's just quickly read that. Um, Genesis chapter 14, um, verse um, 21 to 23. And the king of, king of Sodom said unto Abraham, give me the persons. And take the goods to yourself. This is when Abraham had finished winning the war and was bringing up both the spoils of the goods and the people that had been captured back to, to Sodom. So the king of Sodom was speaking to Abraham. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my eyes unto the Lord and the most I God, the possessors of heaven and the earth, that I will not take from you a tread, even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham has gotten to that understanding where he knew that God alone is a source to the point where even when things that, you know, belongs to him rightfully, he says no, because there is a chance somebody else will say is the one making me rich. So your salary is not your source. I know, I know, I know I'm, 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 I'm shaking some tables. Your salary is not your source. It is a channel with which God is blessing you at the moment. And even if that channel dries up, God is raising up another channel. Your job is not your source. Your boyfriend is not your source. I had to say that because December is almost around the corner. Noted, I mean. <laughs> your business is not your source. And I think the reason why I'm saying this is because you must understand where your resources comes from. And it changes how you act. It changes how you behave. It changes how you, you, you it changes your habits and, and how you, do, you know, live your daily lives. Amen. Amen. God alone is your source. So you must know that God is your source. And please, and please as much as possible, don't try to always, because what Jesus was doing here and was teaching his disciples is for them not to be anxious for anything. 
The Bible says do not be anxious for anything, but in all, in all things, in all things you pray and make supplications with thanksgiving. He was teaching them how not to, you know, take anxiety. Anxiety basically is a worry for things that have never even happened. So you're already thinking, I'm 23 now. I want to marry at 26. How will God do it? Just get to 26 first. You're already thinking now, ah, I've gotten this job now, but I don't know the way the economy is doing. Maybe they will sack me. So let me start finding other ways to get things to do. Every time you try to allocate resources for things that you think will happen, what you're simply saying is, in case God fails, I have a plan B. And that is not faith. And that is not faith. The Bible says, you know, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, it is impossible to please God without faith. For those that will come to him or believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is simply trusting God to sort you out. So, um, in the second text we read in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that um, Sarah, if you can put it up, Sarah, here, you know, Hebrews 11 is about, you know, the heroes of faith, talking about so many people that, you know, were able to use faith to achieve so many things. And here, the scriptures mentioned Sarah, that through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And you know, many at times, we, we really don't give you know, enough credit for Sarah when it comes to the issues of faith. We, we, we for, for, for right reasons, we always attribute much of the faith to Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him on righteousness. Right. But if you look at the scriptures here, and if you look at the, jo- the journey of the couples in Genesis, you realize that Sarah played a very important and major role in the life of Abraham. And, and that is why I felt that it's important for us to discuss it this morning. Because sometimes, it seems sometimes that we also, at some of the attributes of Sarah in that journey that I will talk about, we sometimes have that too. We sometimes, you know, you know display that. You know, from the beginning in Genesis chapter 12, it was, only Abraham that, it was only Abraham that God was speaking to. God wasn't speaking to Sarah. So rightfully, maybe that's why Sarah didn't have faith at the beginning. So God spoke to Abraham, said, I will make you great. You know, in Genesis, he said you should leave his father's house. He will do this to them. And he should go to a place where he will tell him. So I imagine Abraham went, you know, went to go and meet Sarah. Babe, I don't know what they call themselves in this. Maybe bone of my bone or, you know, whatever. And says, you know, uh, God told me that <laughs> we should leave this place and uh, we should go to somewhere that uh, we will tell you. And I'm sure Sarah would have probably asked, <laughs> where are we going? You know, and Sarah didn't probably object. She said, okay, I didn't hear God, but if you said you heard God, then that's fine. I believe it too. She left. If she was doing her master's during that period, she dropped out. If she was working, she resigned. <laughs> and because she believed Abraham had God and left. Then, <laughs> then later, Abraham must have come again and said, Ah, uh, God told me again that's going to make me great, it's going to make me father of many nations. And so I said, okay, I did not hear God. But if you say you did, I believe it too. And imagine at the time, you know, Abraham came again and said, God told me that I should change my name. That I'm no longer going to be called Abraham. I'm going to call Abraham because he will give me the, you know, the sons are the, you know, stars of the sky. And you too. So you should change your name from Sarai to Sarah. And I imagine Sarah says, okay, I didn't hear God, but you did. So I believe it too. So she carried her international passport. She went to go and change it. She went to go and do affidavit. I just try to process it, right? Sarah was making actions, was living her life based on what Abraham said he had from God. 
And so if you look at the journey of the couple, right? Abraham has been the only one hearing God all this while. Abraham has been the only one hearing God. And Sarah had been tagging along and been acting rightly based on what Abraham had said. And in this scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, through faith, also Sarah herself. So we see here that despite the fact that all through many years, maybe 30 years or 40 years, Sarah had been tagging along the faith of Abraham, Sarah got to a point where she had faith for herself. And there comes a time in our lives where the faith of your parent will not be enough. There comes a time in our life where the faith of our pastors will not be enough. And I'm not saying that you should not, you know, trust in the faith of your parents. That's not what I'm saying. But where God is taking you to, you need more than the faith of other people to get there. So, in this case, Pharaoh had faith in herself. And if you look at that scriptures again, she internalizes and believes God's promises was also for her and not just for Abraham. And she acted on God's word herself. So, how did Sarah herself had this faith. Firstly, you all know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes when you hear God. Faith comes when you hear God. Faith doesn't come to you when you squeeze your face. You know, we, you know, during in the university days when we went fellowship, right? Uh, some of us brethren, you know, the way we, we behave, you know, we think a man of faith is somebody that is, you know, have, you know, both physical and, you know, spiritual modules. And there's a way you must carry yourself as a man of God to show that you have faith. No. You don't squeeze your face. You don't squeeze your face into faith. In fact, some people always say that, you know, if you are stubborn enough, you will have faith. That's not true. Faith and stubbornness are two different things. I remember, you know, I think it's in 300 level when, a brother, he was, he was the evangelism um, executive coordinator then, and he was sick. And you know, in, in those days, we, we've heard about, you know, Bishop Boedepo for 40 years, he has never used a drug, you know, Pastor Deboye for donkey years, he has never, so, you know, that developed some sort of uh, ginger, don't let me say faith, ginger in us, to say, ah, if this man of God up to this point, so we had that mentality that if you're using a drug, you don't have faith. You know, you, 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 you are, so he was sick. And, you know, when that, you know, mentality, so my brother was like, and, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. So he said he was strong. I said, okay. So he was in the fellowship house, and we're all there together. Then I just realized that the man has not eaten. He said, ah, what's happening? He said he's fasting. Ah. He's not feeling well. He's strong, as we will say, and he's not fasting on top. I was trying to judge the action with the faith. If you're strong, you should eat. You should not fast. To cut the long story short, he broke down. Faith. He broke down, and you have to give him drugs. It got better. But now we've learned <laughs> that faith and stubbornness, they are not the same. Faith comes when God speaks to you directly. Maybe through any medium, but when you hear God for yourself, you hold on to it. Amen. So, how did Sarah herself have this faith? Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18 from verse 9 to 15. All right, we go. And they said unto him, so just to paraphrase, right, uh, there were three men that were going to Sodom. They want to go and destroy the place. And just to put a context, Sodom was a very rich country at that point in time. But, you know, their sin had catch up to them. And God was sending men to go and destroy the place. So on their journey, they met, Abraham saw them coming, you know, and called them to his house to provide hospitality for them before they continued the journey. And there was a conversation that started happening when those men, those three men were in the house of Abraham. And they said unto him, verse 9, where is Sarah your wife? 
And he said, behold, in the thing. I was thinking Sarah, Abraham was going to say, Sarah, come on. Let's come and hear. See, and, 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 and this is for, you know, us people that are in relationships. Please, God is not for you alone. You are going to pray somewhere. You cannot carry your girlfriend with you. I don't understand. Amen? You must... One of, one of the things we must, we must try to cultivate, whether relationship that is going to lead to marriage or just normal friendship is, you have to carry your people along when you are hearing God. It's, it's, it's you, a fire standing alone is not as good as when you have pockets of fire all together. So here they asked Abraham, where is your wife? He said, behold in the tent. And he said, I will suddenly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So time has passed her. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord, being old also. She didn't say, Shall he have a son? It's pleasure. Okay, so, and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child? You see how God is merciful. Which I am hold. That's not what Sarah actually said, but yeah. Shall I of a surety bear a child, which I'm hold? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto you, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Hmm. So for the first time in Sarah's life, and I think Sarah is about 90 years old here. For the first time in Sarah's life, according to the scripture, she had God herself even though she was in the tent. And you see, the conversation started with Abraham and the people and God. Then God switched and started speaking to Sarah. Because the promise was not just for Abraham. The promise was for Abraham and Sarah. And as long as one man has faith and the other does, chances are the promise might not be fulfilled. So God needed to also speak directly to Sarah. And Sarah had God. And this was an important milestone in the life of Sarah because she had the promise of God herself. And one thing I wanted to encourage us, we must practice staying in the light of God's word. We must practice this daily. We must practice it as much as you have the time. Every time, practice staying in God's word for him to give you, you know, his promises yourself. You must practice it. And one of the things God's word does is it breaks down all our limiting mindset. So when God was speaking and having conversation with Sarah, her beliefs, her imaginations, her, her thought patterns, what she thought was right at that moment was coming out. The Bible says God's word is a two-edged word. It's quick and powerful, right? A double-edged word, right? And here, it was, God's word was attacking the belief systems that Sarah had had. At 90, Sarah had given up that she was going to have the promise, the promise of abundance, the promise of a child has left Sarah, in quotes. Sarah has given up. In fact, you know, at the point, Sarah must have thought about herself, well, I think this promise is for Abraham alone. So let's get somebody, a young person, and, you know, let, let, let her, you know, go ahead and, you know, because uh, Abraham was still Haja, even at uh, 89, the man was still performing. Because she had fit, because he had fit. So Abraham was like, hey, Sarah was like, okay, let's let's let Hagar come and do the job. And yeah, they have a child. And in a way, Sarah thought, yeah, I've helped Abraham to fulfill God's promise for his life. But God was saying, eh, well, it's it's logical. People will understand it when a young woman gives birth. What they will understand and where they will know that it is only God that can do it is when a 90-year-old woman conceive. So God. Sarah had God. So God was saying, no. Well done, Sarah. But the promise is for you and Abraham. And the mindset of Sarah here was coming out. Shall I have pleasure when I'm old? And one of the mindsets I want to quickly talk about today is the scarcity mindset. 
a result of prolonged seasons and lack of farming. Sometimes when you have experienced farming or when you have experienced lack for too long, abundance becomes inconceivable. You cannot understand it when God is telling you you're going to be the owner of a bank. You, you really cannot understand because you are still trying to look for a job and you couldn't get You can't understand when God is saying you're going to be a lender to many nations. Because even how you will survive tomorrow, you still don't have it. And so what staying in God's word does is that it breaks those mindsets. That the kingdom of God doesn't run on the current economy. I know the exchange rate is not doing well. The inflation rate is going is skyrocketed. But as far as God is concerned, because he's the one sending you on an assignment, it doesn't matter what the exchange rate is saying, whether the economy is booming or not. God is able to cover and provide sufficiently for your need. Because what the worker is worthy of his food. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, the worker is worthy of his food. If the person you are speaking to is not talking back to you, move to another person and say, the worker is worthy of his food. God is able to provide, even in terms of famine. A second mindset is the victim mindset. And it's, I think the victim mindset is a bit common in this, in this environment. Because I'm black, because our country is bad. And that's why no young person can make it. And every young person that I made is because they stole money. It's not true. Yes, yeah, some of them stole money and God will catch them. But <laughs> there are some people that God, through God, through the promise of God, through faith, they've been able to win kingdoms. Amen. So don't say, because I didn't know anybody, that's why I didn't get the job. You know God and that is enough. I remember, you know, my, okay, well, it was supposed to be my first job or my second job. Then we're still, we just went out of the university. And, you know, we've been praying and trusting God that we know as to get out, things are going to be better. There were so many promises, you know, when 500 level, we prayed a lot. We prayed a lot, trusting God for the future as we we're moving out of the school. And, you know, I think seven months down the line, I had somebody called me and said, oh, they're doing an interview somewhere. I said, where? They told me the place. I did not apply. So I was thinking, how do I do it? So I just said, okay, fine. I didn't even have a suit. So somebody borrowed me a suit. I didn't have a tie. So I wore my white um, shirt. I had a white shirt. I had a trouser. Then I put that suit on, and I went to the place in Victoria Island. When I got there, I, somebody came around and borrowed me a tie. Complete, right? So I got there, and the question is, okay, I have my CV with me. And there were a lot of people there. How the gate man did not stop me, I don't know. Right? I got in, sat down with couple of all those people, and they were calling people because my name was not on the list, right? I can't just quickly go forward. So I just sat down there, and they called everybody, remaining me. So the person just said, ah, you, remaining. Oh, yeah, come, let's start. And they come in for the chat, and we started having those conversations, right? And they asked me a question. Have you done the aptitude test? I said, no. They said, okay, no problem. When we are done with this, we'll um, assign you to go and do the aptitude test, and then we'll know what the result is. So I had jumped to one level. And I went there, did the interview, then went back, did the test. Fortunately for me, when I did the test, after I had gone in, you know, somebody was telling me later that, you know you're the only one that passed the aptitude test. In fact, you didn't get the, the course because it was very difficult. So the aptitude test was supposed to get at least 50 pass mark. You had 48 or 49. And so they were just thinking, since nobody passed, how do we do it? We can't just say everybody should go away, right? So it's okay, so the person that scored the highest, at least let him go for the another round. And that's how you know, I got the job. But I had faith enough to say, I want to get a job. And I didn't sit down. I made actions. I, I, I just went ahead, right? And I didn't sit down and say, I don't know anybody in that place. Um, I don't have any connections. The fact that you don't have connection is not enough. You know, God is your connection. God is your connect. And if you have God, you have everything. So don't say, uh, because I'm a woman in a male-dominated uh, um, um, company, so that's why I didn't get promoted. No. In fact, men of faith, their languages are different. The way they speak, their utterances are different. I, you know, when you have conversations with people that are full of faith, they say things that you wouldn't understand. You would think, ah, is this person out of his mind? 
I remember when it was uh, uh, Pastor Matthew Ashimolo that was speaking, and, and he was talking about you know, when he went with Bishop David Oedipo to the Canaan land then, and everything was bush. And Bishop was just saying, this is where the cathedral is going to be, this is where university is going to be, and he was saying it, and he, was, and he couldn't understand. He said, I don't understand. What are you seeing? What I'm seeing is different from what you're seeing. Men of faith see differently. They see things that have not yet come into pass, and they start saying them. Amen. So yes, you don't have pocket money today, but tomorrow is better. So you don't think of today, you think of tomorrow. When God was speaking with Gideon, he said, oh, mighty man of valor. Gideon wasn't just, Gideon then was the last born. He was, he was, he was in a place where, you know, everything God was saying was totally different from his circumstances, but he believed it. Amen. Another mindset is the salary mindset. When you think your channel of supply is your ultimate source. And I think we make that mistake a lot. With, we confuse our channel and our source altogether. Um, as I said earlier, your job is not your source. God is your source. And God is able to provide for you in any way. So you're not limited by what you consider your source. Uh, they have slashed the salary. That's not a problem. You go back to God. Because I'm doing God's work, then I really cannot be stranded. Because God has enough resources to take care of me. Amen. True faith also. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. How did Sarah faith work? And I think we'll, we'll talk about this and we'll start to pray. Sarah's herself received strength to conceive seed. So you see that by faith, what Sarah received was strength and not the child. Amen. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive. She didn't receive the faith did not give her a child immediately. She received faith, right? She, through faith, she received strength. She received strength. And, you know, the Greek work of, of, of strength there means um, um, dunamis. Oh, you're here. I've been looking for you. You can just play, you know, Jaira, uh, the uh, Maverick City, or you just play... Um, which other one can we play? Just to, you know... I shall not want. Shall I, I shall not want, right? Maverick City. Why are you looking at me? I got it now. Okay. I'm not, um, but, so we can do that. I have other thoughts. Maybe we'll go to Top Library side, but, you know, let's just stick with that for now, okay? Thank you. She received strength. So the great word of strength means dunamis, which means power, you know, dynamo. What faith gives you most of the times when you hear God, it gives you the ability Faith gives you the wherewithal to do the things that naturally you won't be able to do. So Sarah was 90. Her body was dead. She, was, she didn't have the capacity again to fulfill God's promise for her life. And I'm saying this because you may be here and maybe you think there are things you're supposed to achieve in your 20s and now your 30s. And you think God's promises has eluded you. What faith does is it gives you that wherewithal the ability to be able to fulfill the promise of God. Amen. So our faith gave her the ability. And you see, faith doesn't give you the end result. It gives you the wherewithal. It doesn't give you the end result. It gives you the wherewithal to do that what you need to do. So you're trusting God for that promotion. Faith gives you the ability to perform. You're trusting God you know, for that job. Give, faith gives you the ability to make a good presentation. That's what faith does. It gives you the wherewithal. But Sarah's body couldn't conceive. So when faith came in, faith was started working in her body. You know, went to the womb. You know, I imagine whether you know, Sarah started, you know, had to now start going to jog on every morning just to make sure that, you know, her body is in shape for Abraham to come around again and say, oh yeah, let's you understand? But, you know, faith gave her that wherewithal. Praise God. Praise God. 
the Bible says in First Peter verse 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that are called us to glory and virtue. So, everything you need has been given. Every single thing you need has been given by God. Every single thing. The reason why you don't have it, basically, is because you have not enough faith to posture yourself in a way to receive them. And this was what was going on with Sarah here. So she received the strength, she conceived a seed, and she bore a child. She received the strength, she conceived the seed, and she bore a child. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 to 20, I will just quickly read it. The Bible says, Then came the disciples to Jesus up and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible for you. When you have faith, you say things. Faith gives you the ability to speak in ways you can't speak before. So basically, faith doesn't... I, I, I'm careful to say this, but I will say it either way. Faith doesn't move your mountains. Faith gives you the wherewithal for you to move your mountains. Because the Bible says, if you have faith, you will say to this mountain. So when you don't say, when you don't act, things don't get done. So that's why the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Dead faith is still faith, but it's dead. So there are so many things that God has promised us in times of abundance. There are so many things that, you know, we're supposed to reach out to. But if you do not act it out, faith is an action word. If you don't act it out, chances are you won't get them. Chances are you won't get them. Amen. We must practice staying in God's presence. There are many things God wants to do in our lives. And what faith is going to do is give you that ability to do it. So I don't, I, I, and, I, and I'm careful to say this, but I don't know who I'm speaking with. Maybe you've gotten to that junction and you said, no, it's not possible again. People that do MBAs, they are within their 25 to 26 or 27. I'm sure Harvard will not take me again. That's not true. You may have passed the age according to men's wisdom, but faith gives you the wherewithal. Faith gives you the ability to move your mountain. Amen. 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 So if you believe that God will do something, you must hack it out. Noah believed God and started, you know, building the hack. I could imagine, you know, God spoke to Noah. And I'm sure God is speaking to us things that are unimaginable. And you cannot compare your current circumstances to what God is saying. But you need to act it out. So God was speaking to Noah and said, this is what he's going to do. And Noah started to build and hack. That is an action. When, God, when David, I'm sure it was God that spoke to David, you know, and he wanted to fight Goliath. You know what he did? He threw the stones. If he had not thrown the stones, I, don't, I doubt how, you know, no matter how small your actions are, right, it is very, very important that you act it out. All David needed to do was to throw the stone. How God would do it is not your concern. What you are interested in is to act your part out. The Bible says, for the worker is worthy of his meat. So long as you're doing what God asks you to do, you should be confident enough that God is going to sort you out. God is not a broke employer. Amen. God is not a broke employer. He doesn't promise things that he would not, you know, uh, bring to fulfillment. Look through scriptures. God always supplies all his children and meets their needs. And we're going to be praying, you know, this, this, this morning. And, and I think firstly is to understand that God, you know, you are my source. We're going to be praying for that alone. That God, I understand that you are my source. So many of us are thought that our channels is our source. Right. And we're going to be praying that, that God, you are my source. You know, then later we're going to be praying also. <laughs> for the grace to be able to act out what, you know, 
the things that God has been speaking to you about. It's that time of the year you need to start writing those, those articles that God has been nudging your heart to do. It's that time of the year you need to start building that software that God has asked you to do. It's that time of the year you need to start sending the proposals to where God has been telling you a long time ago. You need to act it out. Faith gives you the wherewithal. Amen. Amen. Now, can we sing that song? So at a point, uh, God was speaking to Abraham and he says, take your son, your holy son, the one whom you loved, you know, and take him and go and sacrifice him. And the son has at the junction, he says, where, where is the sacrifice? And, and, what, and what Abraham said was, God will provide. God will provide. I like you to decree this morning, Lord, you are my source. You are my source. I don't know who I'm speaking with this morning. You've trusted so many people to be your source and they've disappointed you so far. So I'd like you to come back to God and say, You are my source. Every mental stronghold, every mental stronghold keeping me in scarcity, everything about it is not enough. I break them down by the word of God in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing as hundred of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a designer of thoughts and the intent of the heart. That the word of God will find me where I am. I expose all my limiting beliefs. It I exposed this morning. I don't know. I don't know whether in your family they've said this is how far you can go. I break limitations in the name of Jesus. For the worker is worthy of his meat. For the worker is worthy of his meat. So I decree. I am entitled to God's provisions for my life. In the name of Jesus. That somebody else is praying. I receive capacity to receive strength. I receive grace for fresh insights from God. In the name of Jesus. Somebody else is praying. 
God's word will not be strange to me in the name of Jesus. God's word will not be strange to me in the name of Jesus. God's word will be manifested in my life in the name of Jesus. Erebodos telling him by the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will make manifest in my life in the name of Jesus. I am reaching that goal in the name of Jesus. I am limitless. Erebodos telling him. Erebodos telling him. Erebodos telling him. Erebodos for some you are praying I receive wisdom to pursue God's agenda in the name of Jesus I receive wisdom to establish God's kingdom anywhere I am in the name of Jesus be it in the fashion industry be it in the entertainment industry be it in fintech in the consulting firm be it in politics I receive wisdom to establish God's, with God's agenda in the name of Jesus Father, we thank you. And I'd like to pray for some people, for special people here tonight, this, this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd like you to be honest this morning. The first faith you need to receive, the first faith you need to act out is to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I will make heaven. God forbid I die, but I don't know if I die today, I won't make heaven. If the rapture comes today, I might not make it. You're not sure. I'd like to pray with you. If you're that honest person, I'd like you to please just lift up your hands. The Bible says, where the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the heart, with, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if you're that honored person this morning, please, I'd like you to just raise up your hand, saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to access that abundance, but I cannot because I am not saved yet. Please raise up your hand clearly. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Just like you to say after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask that you accept me. I ask that you forgive me. I have come and I declare that you are my Lord Jesus. Accept me into your kingdom. Make me a new person. Start a good journey with me. Let me be part of the children of God that will continually work to, 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 to establish his kingdom on earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Um, who is sharing the announcement? So if you raise up your hand, um, please, the ushers would like to put you know, an envelope, uh, let me say, not an envelope, a, a special card with you. We just like to take your details so that we can pray more for you. That is the best decision, one of the best decisions you will ever make. And God bless you as you do so. Um, God bless you, everyone, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.